Welcome to Spencer Talks About Stuff. Thank you all for listening and supporting the podcast. If you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, please let me know. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are also now live on Spotify and Stitcher. There are no amendments today. Today for Spencer's Favorites, I'm only going to plug one thing. If you are a movie buff, there are two YouTube channels that I love. The first one is called Red Letter Media, and the second one is called What Culture. Both of these channels have multiple playlists and different types of episodes where they explore everything in movies from actors who are hard to work with to production details to deleted scenes. I love movies, and if I do not feel like watching a show on Netflix or Amazon, I will put on some Red Letter Media or What Culture and learn something about a movie that I love. Once again, those channels are called What Culture and Red Letter Media on YouTube. Without further ado, here's episode 16 of Spencer Talks About Stuff with my wife, Debbie Gerke. All right, welcome to episode 16 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Today on the podcast, I am chatting with my wife, Debbie Gerke. Hello. This is the first <laughs> repeat uh, yeah. guest that I've had on the podcast. So, Indeed. How's it going, Deb? Oh, good. Good. We've had some good chats. We have had some good yeah. chats. Uh, so this is like detox day from uh, bachelor and bachelorette party weekend because you had a bachelorette party and I had a bachelor party. Yes. So. A family affair. A family affair. Because <laughs> everyone's in the family. Yeah. Yeah, you went to my small town, s- my sister's bachelorette party, and I went to my brother-in-law's bachelor <laughs> yeah. party. I don't know, but it was a good weekend. Yeah, it was yeah. super fun. Yeah, you were telling me some stories from the bachelor bachelorette party, and I mean, we had some good times at the bachelor party. But I feel like you guys did a lot more like fun, different things. But we did like <laughs> drank beer and told dick jokes the whole weekend. So. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. We had we had a blast. Good. It was fun. Awesome. And you always get together with your friends like that, and you're like, why don't we just do this more? Like, why does it have to be a bachelor or bachelorette party excuse to yeah. hang out? Like some special occasion. Yeah, and and I was like, Spence and I were like looking forward to this weekend for so long because I know you were talking about like how excited you were for yeah. your get together. Yeah. And I was like. But we don't necessarily need an excuse like someone's getting married to hang out with each other. Yeah, it's funny how wrapped up you get in your life and your routine and your day-to-day mode. And it makes you, I don't know, especially during the COVID times, it makes you appreciate getting together with people more. Yeah, it was fun. I just want to go out to a bar or a restaurant with like a group of people. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that we were camping... Yeah. Super fun too. Yeah. And I love that your sister Abby said, Yeah, my like my coworkers assumed I was super outdoorsy. Oh my god. And so when Abby and I were trying to like disassemble the tent that Emily had put up for her. Uh huh. I don't know if I like have to introduce people or not. Oh, you can like you don't have to introduce you, Emily. I mean Emily and Abby are really good friends. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we were trying to deconstruct it, it was it was just funny because it was one of the ones where the poles like fold in on itself. And I'm so used to how our tent is like yeah. our backpacking tent where the poles are specifically separate mm-hmm. that we were trying to unhook these tent poles from the actual tent. Oh, and it Emily's, was like it folds up like as a part of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So interesting. It, it kind of folds in on itself and everything stays preassembled. Yeah. 
And Abby and I were like totally messing it up. And we were like, Emily, help us. And those chicks are like, uh, Abby's not an outdoors person. Yeah. Emily was, or Abby was like, yeah, my coworkers just thought I was so outdoorsy because I was camping for my bachelorette party. Yeah. And she was like, oh no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So I have to share with you something we did last night. Um, this is a totally bro thing, but so we got a limo and we were driving around town in the limo. We may have crashed a party with that limo. Um, but I mean, it was fun cause the limo driver was cool and he like, let us bring beer and stuff. And, um, like we stopped at a gas station too, cause, uh, everybody had to go pee. And so they had to run into the gas station to go to the bathroom. But then Matt Dickinson was like, guys, we need to get dinner. Like, what are we going to have at the house? And he's scrolling through his phone, like on DoorDash, trying to pick something. <laughs> we all decided on Panda Express. <laughs> oh my gosh, of course. He, he got like, he got two giant family meal things. For and himself. For himself. <laughs> <laughs> but just for the whole group of people. And we like destroyed Panda last night when we got back in the limo. It was very classy. Yeah. I, so. Panda just sounds so good all the time. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yeah, that's what I was telling everyone is uh, the, what is it called? The orange chicken. Their version of orange chicken is the best orange chicken there is. Like when you go, when you and I went to Quick Walk, I think we got orange chicken. It's a letdown because it's not Panda Express. Yeah, it's chicken. terrible. From like a real Chinese restaurant, yeah. the orange chicken isn't as good as well, it is Panda. because you're used to the artificial orange chicken of Panda Express. So yeah. you think that's how all orange chicken is supposed to taste. Yeah. And it's not, it's not genuinely orange chicken. It's just really good chicken. Yeah, isn't that it's weird how chicken. our palates have like, they've like evolved to the point where something has to be so sweet and so salty for it to be satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like the simple ingredients in like actual China do not satisfy our yeah, palates. Yeah, when it has like, it's like homemade. Oh, I miss the MSG. Yeah, like, it yeah. It tastes so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that maybe that's why people are like drawn to... Uh, Thailand because Thai food is super spicy and like very unique tasting. Yeah. I don't know. I just, another interesting observation is I feel like the longer you live with someone and eat all your meals together, the more similar (laughs) your, your palate becomes. Our palates have merged. Yeah. (laughs) Except I am not a hot sauce connoisseur actually. I do enjoy spicy food. You like Frank's. Yeah, I like all sorts of hot sauce, but I don't intentionally seek out a hot sauce that's going to burn the inside of my mouth to the point where I'm sweating profusely as I'm eating. I've only sought that out a couple times, and that was just because of Chad, who is a hot sauce connoisseur, let me borrow some of his hot sauces that made me sweat. But I I, I was trying to find like the perfect combination of heat... (laughs) <laughs> of heat and uh, flavor for the longest time. And I found it with Marie Sharp's hot sauce at Fred Meyer. Oh, yeah. And because of like COVID or whatever, I think they fired a bunch of their employees and they're like not shipping it to Fred Meyer's anymore. Yeah, that's sad. Every time we're at Fred Meyer, Spencer goes and looks for this specific hot sauce and every time it's not there. Yep. It's from uh, Belize, oh, I believe. Nice. Yeah. Marie Sharp's from Belize. Awesome. Sponsor me. Yeah. Sponsor the podcast. I was like, that was a definite plug. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, uh, didn't you say your dad was listening to the podcast and I d- I've been doing the Spencer's favorites thing? Yes. And he got excited because he thought I got sponsored. <laughs> yeah. He thought like DMB was sponsoring you. I, was DM, pretty, DMB should sponsor They us. should. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Because we could, we definitely love DMB. Yeah. And we've been there. I mean, we go there like 
multiple times a week for stuff. Yeah, I but, don't know. But when you're at the point where the employees recognize you, yeah, you know you are probably there too often. Yeah. Because <laughs> you like, even if we don't need anything and we just go and hang out with the yeah. DMB employees and yeah. just like look around at stuff and they know <laughs> we're back just to like look yeah at the, at things they are we already know they have you know what's funny is i've been avoiding the chainsaw guy since oh, i returned yeah. my chainsaw <laughs> have you he, told that story no i mean i've i've said you on have the, to tell that i've story. said on the podcast that i've bought a chainsaw before but so what's the full chainsaw chainsaw story so the full chainsaw story is we were chopping down part of a tree in our backyard because we we're putting up a new shed and the shed's 12 foot high and I needed to cut down some giant branches, and so I rented I rented one of those pole saws from uh, Tate's mm-hmm. that you can extend out to like twenty feet or whatever. And I cut down a bunch of the smaller branches, but I needed a bigger saw to cut down uh, these thick boys. <laughs> and I looked up how much a chainsaw was to rent from Tate's, and it was like forty eight dollars an hour or something <laughs> ridiculous. And so I went over to I went over to DMB and they're sponsored or they're not they have like a partnership with Steel the chainsaw company and they I think they make like lawnmowers and weed whackers and stuff too, um, but I purchased a chain a slightly used chainsaw so it was like eighty percent off or something or or twenty uh, percent off. Why are you shaking your head at me? Oh yeah, I was trying to remember. I was like eighty percent. But it was like away. it was someone used it a little bit and then brought it back and so they discounted it and. It wasn't the most powerful chainsaw, but it was like perfect for what I was using it for. <laughs> and the guy told me this, the steel rep who is like an in-house employee at DMB, he goes, you know, you can use it for a week. If you don't like it, bring it back. Um, we'll give and you, f- that was the mistake. We'll, Spencer heard those words. <laughs> we'll give you a full <laughs> refund. And so I go home and I chop down all the branches and stuff. And then Debbie it's gets a free rental. De- yeah. Debbie gets home from work and she goes, what the hell did you buy? Why Why do we have a chainsaw oh, now? Guess what? We own a chainsaw. <laughs> so, oh, cool. Like, why do we own a chainsaw? So I took the chainsaw back and I, I mean, they. I, it's not like I did anything nefarious. No, not at all. I used it for like four hours and. But talk about when they took like that little thing that you didn't know was in there that caught all the sawdust. Oh yeah. There's like a little reservoir that catches sawdust. I guess like as the chain rotates, if the sawdust didn't fly off, there's like a little reservoir that catches it and it was like completely full and dirty. And they're like, <laughs> it was overflowing. Yeah, they're like, how much did you use this chainsaw? Oh wow, you use this a lot. Are you sure you don't want it? <laughs> yeah. They were cool though. Yeah, yeah. No, they're cool about everything yeah. there. Yeah, it was a free free rental. So I had to put down like a $250 deposit, but I got that deposit back when I returned the rental. I just, I love how we're the same person about stuff. <laughs> Where when our neighbor the other day was like, wow, you guys are so motivated to like do so many projects. And I was just like, eh, it's more just because we don't want to pay someone else to do it. So we just do it all ourselves. <laughs> like we're hauling dirt, multiple loads of dirt into the back of your truck. Our neighbors are always like, what are they doing over there? Dude, I I think that it's fun though. Cause it's it, so fun. Because it gives you like stories too. What would I, would I rather like pay someone to do it and sit out there and like drink lemonade and like watch them and like, yeah. You missed a spot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't no, know. I want to get my hands dirty. And... Well, there's nothing wrong with doing that, too. It's just we're different in the same way where we enjoy those projects instead of yeah. instead of having someone else do it. But I feel like there is a balance between how much time you're putting into doing something 
And so if you don't find any joy out of doing that stuff, yeah, why would you not pay someone else to do it so that you have more time Very to true. do things that you enjoy doing? Yeah. Like if I hated mowing the lawn, maybe I would pay someone to yeah, do it. Yeah. And for some people it's worth it if they don't have to worry about mowing the lawn every week Yeah, and they can pay someone else to do it, then they do that. And it's like a good thing for them to do. Yeah. But yeah, it's like we enjoy doing that. So it doesn't make sense for us to pay someone else to do something we enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to use this as a transition to, because we like doing stuff together, we backpack together. So I'm going to let you tell some of this story, but I've mentioned a couple times on the podcast that Debbie and I had a very scary moment. Uh, God, that was three weeks ago now. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow it'll be three weeks ago. Um, Dang it. And I want to go again. I want to go again too. I feel like it's been so long, but, but yes. But sorry. we went backpacking and we only stayed one night and we woke up to some snow and we got lost. So I don't know if you want to give your account. I feel like I've told this story a few times. I don't know how many times you've told it. No, I don't know. I guess I haven't. I guess. Yeah. Cause I feel like. The only reason a lot of people know about it is because I think you put something on Instagram that oh yeah kind of made people that I know follow you like some of them asked me like oh I want to hear the story and I guess I haven't gone out of my way to really tell anyone about it yeah but yeah it was one of the most stressful situations we've ever been in together and it happened to fall on our one year anniversary yeah so it was definitely a challenge yeah and something that we grew together as a couple because to be in such a high stress situation and know that you have to rely on one another in order to get through it yeah was a really challenging really great way to spend our day yeah and honestly i feel like no one else there's so many there's some people in the world that could do that yeah. but i think we're one of the few people one of the few couples we know who could hike 17 miles yeah. in seven hours yeah. nonstop hiking. <laughs> and not and, complain, really. And be, yeah, and like be bushwhacking yeah. for so many of those miles. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was thinking, too, is there's, I think, our mindset. Like, I knew, like, sometimes I rely on you to get me through shit. And when I saw you be a little bit worried. Mm -hmm. It made me realize, Oh shit, I got to pull my shit together. Like we can't both be like that, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. I think we fed off each other. Cause I think we definitely did. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. It was reassuring seeing how your confidence in like, well, we're going to find the trail at some point. We're going to find the trail at some point. Um, so I guess, do you want me to like tell? Yeah. I everything? feel like, I feel like we need to do the full story. Okay. So this was, something that I planned because ever since we got married, we agreed that for an anniversary every year, what we wanted to do was have our anniversary trip be backpacking trips. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'd always known that that was what we were going to do for our anniversary. And I took it upon myself to like try and find a trail that wasn't too far away. So we wouldn't be spending cause I knew we only had a short, we only had one night to spend out there. So I knew it had to be fairly close, but it, I also wanted it to be something that I had never done. Yeah. And that like was kind of off the beaten path from what, you know, some of the popular trails you hear about in the sawtooths and stuff. Yeah. 
And so one of my good friends that I, so he was actually one of our old neighbors and my college or my high school teacher. Yeah. Fedigan was the one that suggested it to me. And like I, he is so well versed in the outdoors of Idaho that I was like, oh yeah, like he's going to know what, because in June with mountain backpacking trips, you know that there's going to be areas that you have to avoid in order to have like decent weather. Yeah. So I, we found the trail or I decided on this particular location near Loman called Red Mountain Lakes. Yeah. Red Mountain Lakes. It's 17 miles north of Loman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we kind of decided on it. And once I had had it in my mind that I was going to do it, I started doing research on the internet and I realized like, Hey, this is like so off the beaten path that it's hard for me to find a lot of information on. So as opposed to like, like there was some stuff on like the for like a forestry websites. Yeah. But I'm so used to having like access to a lot of maps and like knowing someone that has done that exact trip. And I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. I I don't, I don't blame you. I know. I kind of blame myself. And I know that like you said it was a mutual decision. Sorry. The, to wrap things up from where I was trying to get the point to, this was like a trip that we, we had never been on. We didn't know anyone that had done it except I think Fedigan's done it, but I didn't really ask him specifics about it. I just wanted some suggestions and then I was like, Oh, I'm going to go with that one. And Red Mountain Lakes, it's not like it's super technical or like crazy or anything. The only, I think we were just disoriented because so, so we hiked up to Red Mountain Lakes, you get to the first lake and everyone that we saw kept telling us, go past the first lake, go past the second lake and camp at the third lake. And so we did exactly that. And we went up there and we started a fire and we fished and stuff and ate dinner and it was fun and it was awesome. And then we woke up to like four inches of snow Mm -hmm. and that was very disorienting because I mean, you can't see the trails and we like just enough snow to not be able to find trails. And there's, there's a lot of like little marshlandish stuff too. And so our feet got super wet on the way out. But like when you go to those lakes, it's not like there's a trail around the lakes you walk around the lake until you find a good spot to camp Mm -hmm. so it's not like the trail goes all the way around the trails kind of break and then start again and so walking back um there was kind of like a big granite field Mm -hmm. like right below the third lake there's some areas where you had to scramble yeah we had to scramble a little bit but we went we went down different than how we came up and i think maybe that kind of screwed up my orientation Mm -hmm. a little bit um but I don't know. I don't know at what point we decided to just start following the creek because we couldn't find the trailhead after the first lake on the way down. And I don't know. We made the decision to just follow the creek because we knew at some point there was a creek crossing or there were multiple creek crossings mm-hmm. on the trail that took us up to to the first lake. And so we decided to bushwhack and follow the the follow the creek and. Um, <laughs> there were a few points where we did not think we were going to find the trail. Yeah. We thought we were going to stay an extra night, which was fine. We would have been okay, but yeah. it was mentally dealing with the fact that 
you know, it's snowing, we're wet. Well, we, and we were prepared to be back in town for like work yeah. and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was, it was like, I, I don't know. I think both of us are pretty smart. As long as we were losing elevation and following the creek downhill, to me, I knew we were in a good spot. Yeah, and because we were headed in the correct Yeah, we and we direction. knew which way was north, south, east, west. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, I think we would have hit Highway 21 if we didn't hit the little trailhead area where we parked our car. But you and I walked down. We found a trail eventually, and then we followed that trail up and almost summited another mountain. And at a certain point, I I just kind of knew that we were following the creek the wrong way. Like we were going, creek was going down and we were going up. Mm-hmm. And so we made the decision to turn around and we got back down to that creek crossing. And then we, I think we had to bushwhack a little bit to go up. I think we went up a second trail for a while too. Is that right? Mm-mm. I thought we did. The, no. I thought we went like two different directions. But but so we got back down to that to the creek crossing, followed that trail all the way up and almost summited another mountain, but that's when the trail intercepted the trail that you and I mm-hmm. came up on. Um and so I had my iPhone with me the whole time and it was on the whole time and mm-hmm. it tracks your steps and it told us that yeah, we almost went 17 miles. Mm-hmm. in seven hours so when the trip itself was probably only about five if you were on trail yeah it was a three-hour hike mm-hmm. right on the yeah. way up yeah so it's interesting so my account differs a little diff- a little from yours where I felt really confident in the direction we were heading when we were off trail yeah because like when we had gone in and we knew getting to the third lake, we were going to be off trail. Yeah. I was very conscientious of recognizing the area we were in so that I could remember for later. Yeah. But when the the defined trail that you've been hiking on disappears, you don't realize that when you're on a defined trail, you're not looking for distinct geographical features Yeah. unless you get to like a junction and you, you realize, oh, I have to go left here. So I'm going to remember that there's a big boulder. Yeah. Or something, there's like or... this, this half dead tree right over here. Yeah. And so the fact that like when we were off trail and I knew we were going to have to hike back off trail, I was like super aware of what our surroundings looked like. Yeah. But then when we got back to the point where there was supposed to be a trail and it was nowhere to be found, I didn't know where to even start looking because when we had hiked in, it had been such an obvious trail Yeah. that I wasn't like, oh, let's remember like where it is and so we can find it easily because we yeah. didn't need to worry about where it was. Well, it's funny it's funny when we found that other trail that wasn't the trail we were on, when we were walking down it, we were like, oh yeah, this all looks super familiar, yeah. but we had never seen it before. Mm-hmm. And it's like you talk yourself into, like that was the most disorienting thing. And I can't imagine, you know, some people survive in the wilderness for, I mean, not on purpose. Sometimes they get lost. Like I think Ben said his cousin got lost in like Denver or like outside of Denver in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for like two weeks or something. Yeah. I can't even imagine being out there for that long. Um, and you think about how big like Frank Church Wilderness Area is or, you know, some of the forests in Oregon and stuff. Um, luckily, we were only 17 miles from the highway. So, I mean, I, we could do that in a day easily. Um, 
And something that we haven't mentioned, our dog was with us the whole mm-hmm. time too. Yeah. And I was I was very concerned about Skylar. Yeah, um, just her too. her feet getting maybe mm-hmm. cold or something. And honestly, she did better than we did. She did way better than we did. <laughs> um, she didn't complain at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we complained much. But no, I think we we swallowed it and we yeah, were like, it we, is what it is. Like we, we have to. We got ourselves into this. So we we're gonna get ourselves out of it. Yeah. I ruined my shoes. Oh yeah. My shoes are destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing too is we were. It's not that we weren't prepared. Cause we were like prepared. We had cold gear stuff, but like we didn't have waterproof boots, you know, yeah. and we had to cross creeks a bunch. And then with the snow too, my feet got super freaking cold yeah, and your felt, feet got cold. I felt like I had prepared as much as I could because I didn't know anyone else that had been out there. So I tried to just absorb everything I could find about Red Mountain Lakes online yeah. and like take pictures. I wrote myself handwritten notes. I wrote yeah, I, I did as much as I possibly could, yeah. but I didn't. My mistake was thinking that we wouldn't be high enough in elevation to have to have forecasted rain turn into snow. Yeah, because we knew it was going to rain Yeah, a and we bit. were like fine with it raining, yeah. but the fact that it was snow yeah. and that impaired the ability to find where your trail's at. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> where I definitely went wrong and dropped the ball. Um, you know, what's funny is we were talking about this the other day when you get in certain situations, how your like reptilian brain takes over mm-hmm. and it's like, you, there's one task at hand that matters and nothing else matters. Um, the first thing when we were putting our tent away, because we didn't like shake our tent out correctly or anything. Um, what? Yeah. And I'm like, and that's hard for me to do. Oh, like yeah. I because it needs so, to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, I like to do it perfectly. But when when we woke up to that much, it snow, was actively snowing too, yeah. and the tent would have gotten more wet yeah. if we didn't. So we just rolled it up and threw it in my yeah. bag. Like we didn't put Stuffed it in its it. perfect bag. Mm-hmm. Um, which may have kept it, may have kept it more dry. Um, but my fingers got so freezing ass cold taking those poles down that like. It turned into, hey, I need to get my fingers warm. That's the only thing that mattered was mm-hmm. I can't function if my fingers are this numb. And I was like, I was kind of scared about frostbite a little a little bit. And I know you got worried about your feet at one yeah, point. Yeah. Um and then the other but the other point was, so I did, I hadn't pooped that day before. And then the morning when we were trying to get out of there, I mm-hmm. thought I was like, we're gonna make it back to the car and it's um it's a national or it's a, a Idaho forest, and so like at those trailheads, there's always a bathroom. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, we're going to get back. It's only three miles or three hours. And then I'm going to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then after we got lost and we were bushwhacking, I told you, I was like, hey, if if I'm going to navigate and help us get the hell out of here, I have to take a dump. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just funny how those like reptilian things take over before you can like go do something else. Yeah. What's funny about my foot is I, yeah, I was concerned about it because it had been at this point where like I had not remembered my feet feeling cold, but I was like, Spence, like three of my toes are completely numb. Are they still numb? So yeah, that's what I was going to say. It ended up being like, I just have a pinched nerve in my foot because we did hike so much in yeah. such a short time. And I think my shoes just didn't have enough support to do that. Yeah. That three weeks later, I feel like it's finally getting back to normal where oh. I don't have like any numbness in my toes anymore. Yeah. 
but yeah, I was like, it's so strange because I don't remember my feet ever feeling cold, but now like I have a couple toes that are completely numb. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. But yeah, the, the moral of the story is we will always be overprepared now and GPS. I I need a GPS. Yeah. I think it showed me a lot about the strength of our relationship and I'm not trying to be like super cheesy or anything, Yeah. but it was such a good team building experience to recognize like when you are in that state that we, we just recognized we were like, we just looked at each other and we're like, all right, we we're in it together. Yeah. I couldn't do this with anyone else. Yeah. But we, since we have each other, we're going to get through this. Yeah. And it was like when I was down in the dumps, like worrying about, are we doing the right thing? Are we making the right decision? Like following the Creek when we, and I think the worst part of it was when we had no trail at all. And then you look around and you're like, nothing looks familiar. Like, is this truly what we, like how we should find the trail? Nothing looks familiar and everything looks the same. That's what freaked me out is when I was looking around, I was like, I'm like, there was a moment that I was like, we are legitimately lost and it scared mm-hmm. the shit out of me. Yeah. 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 We were, we were lost in the national forest and I never thought we would be those people that <laughs> potentially needed to be rescued. And yeah. we almost thought we were going to be those people. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We and were then super fortunate. Other moral. Yeah. Moral to the story. Be overprepared. Even if you're just doing overnight camping trips, I think everyone should have one of those uh, G dot things or G spot, whatever it's called from Garmin. Um, where you can just call for call for help or it has like a SOS button. Um, and then, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Always tell someone where you're going. Mm-hmm. And we told my parents mm-hmm. and they wrote it down. They knew where we were. So if, if they hadn't heard back from us that night, then they would have raised the alarms. Mm-hmm. And I figured my brother-in-law, Andrew, who's like, he knows the whole forest. He would somehow find us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, we would have been fine. And we had so much food. Yeah, we had we food, had water. warm, dry gear. It was just that mental idea of how excited I was for all-you-can-eat sushi <laughs> that we were supposed to get at the end of the day. Yeah. And when I realized, like, oh, man, we're probably, like, there's a very high chance we might have to have stay to another night. Camp again. And wait for stuff to start melting. Yeah. Yeah, it like the moment that we found the trail, like there were so many emotional ups and downs. Yeah. Like just looking at each other and I I cried. Yeah. Because I was so excited to have a trail and it had like tire treads on it. So obviously someone had been through there fairly recently too. Which, yeah, I think the the guy the, I think there's a guy that rides his motorcycle on those trails and he cuts up the logs. He just yeah, maintenance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chainsaw guy. But and then going through that emotional roller coaster again when we're on a trail but we're it's obviously not taking us to where we want to go because we're summiting this other mountain yeah and the fact that we were we had gone so many miles in the wrong direction yeah but looking at each other and being like we have to turn around like that's like yes we're gonna we made the decision to turn around and I was like, but at least we have a trail now. Yeah. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care if it takes us 
way longer. At least we have a trail. So we have like a designated direction that you know other people have traffic yeah. to. And I remember seeing like a scrap of garbage on the trail. I was like, oh, oh. my gosh, someone else has been out here yeah. before. Because we didn't see a single human being on the, the trails that day. There was no yeah. other people out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then we kept seeing, we knew that there was somebody at the bottom of the trail that had horses that took the horses up. Oh, and so on the yeah. way down, we kept seeing fresh horse poo. And that made me very excited because mm-hmm. we knew we were close to those horses. Um, yeah, overall, good experience. And that that's the thing, too, is when we were driving home, we said, like, holy shit, we just did, like, some Navy SEAL training or, like, some team building uh, SEER training yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Felt like some wilderness training. Yeah. Because there was, we climbed a lot of elevation. Oh my God. But I don't think other people, like even if you could do it physically, it was a very mentally taxing day. Yeah. But we did it and then we did get that Yoitomo, that oh all you God. can eat sushi. Before Yoitomo though, we stopped at that Chevron in Loman. Oh, to get a snack because we hadn't eaten all day. Yeah, we hadn't eaten all day. I got zingers and that was like the best tasting thing I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, is it that awful candy? I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, the zingers, they're like the yes. hostess. They're I, like Twinkies with like frosting on them. I was thinking it was like that soda flavored candy. Oh, no. I was like, no. ooh, that sounds <laughs> terrible. What did you get at the gas station? I got, didn't I get a Charleston? No, I, oh. yeah, I got a Charleston chew. Yeah. Nice. It was really good. And yeah. some chips. Yeah. It's like your body was craving salt. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Yoi Tomo. In my opinion, it's the best sushi in Boise. What do you think? Yeah, Yoitomo is really good. It's the only sushi place I eat at, so yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else as a point of reference. I feel like I used to go to uh, IOU like in college, but I think that was before Yoitomo opened. And then there was one other place, Shige downtown. But I think that those are like they pride themselves in being like super fancy and charging a bunch for each roll. Whereas if I'm going to go to sushi, it's going to be yeah. I don't really. I don't branch out at all because I know. Yeah, trying new stuff is like, unless it's all you can eat, I'm not going to really get my money's worth. Yeah. I mean, it's it not is... filling enough unless you get, I don't know, unless you get enough food and then you're already at the all you can eat price. So well, why not we, just get all you can eat? We like trying new stuff, but not something like all you can eat sushi. Because there's no other deal that's going to like, like you eat one and a half rolls and it paid for itself already. Mm-hmm. Whereas you and I, when we were in uh, Hayden, Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, mm-hmm. We had sushi there and it was like $70 and it was not nearly as much food as we could get Mm -hmm. at Yoitomo. (laughs) But it was cool because it was, it came in like a large, so we ordered, the two of us ordered a family platter and it it came in a big ship. They call it a boat. Yeah. Like they'll make you a boat of sushi. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah. There's a bunch of like tempura and teriyaki chicken and then a bunch of sushi pieces all over it. People are surprised by how much food we can eat. You and me? Mm-hmm. Or seriously? Like when we go out to sushi. Yeah. The little <laughs> oh, like waitress. The, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So the waitress was like flabbergasted at how many rolls we ordered and the fact that we ate them so fast. Yeah, I don't... We didn't even start out... We started out with like seven maybe? Yeah, but I guess apparently that's a lot. Yeah. And the um, fact that we got more than just seven. Like we probably ate... I don't know. How many rolls did we eat that day? Twelve maybe? Yeah, and that's a lot. So yeah, if you I guess think that about, is a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's Holy a lot. Shit. I don't know if it was really that many, but if you think about how many the average person eats, like 
one, two rolls for a meal. Yeah. And that's like enough food for them. The fact that we ate nine plus rolls (laughs) between the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I was worried too, because if you don't finish a certain amount of your food, then they make you pay extra. And there was like, I don't know, there was like six or seven pieces and she said, you have to, there can only be three left on the plate. And I had to like buck up and finish yeah, them. Yeah. It was painful. It was pretty painful. I tapped out. Yeah. And she was like, oh, because she was going to give us a free dessert for our anniversary. Oh, yeah. And she was like, oh, don't order too many more. And of course, what did we do? We ordered too many more to yeah. the point where we didn't want the dessert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, What was the dessert though? Wasn't it? I don't remember. Like it was fried deep, Oreos. Yeah, it was or deep something? fried Oreos. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was a little bit of a letdown. Well, it would have been. It would have been better if we ate it there because we took it home and put it in the fridge. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I've had deep fried Oreos in Colorado. And oh, they're really good at the rodeo. Right? Yeah, like when you go to a fair and you get deep fried Oreos. Like yeah. that's the real deep fried Oreos. You don't go to a sushi restaurant for deep fried Oreos. Well, they called it like a dessert sushi roll. And so they tried to make it look like a cute sushi roll with deep fried Oreos. I guess so. I don't know. And they're not serving ice cream anymore. Yeah. Sucks. At Yoitomo. They have uh, green tea flavored ice cream, which sounds weird, but it's actually really good. I think it's delicious. I was never a huge fan of milk in my tea, which I think is a very British thing. But that ice cream, I mean, it's obviously like a milky thing and it's green tea flavored. I thought it was delicious. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then they have red bean. And then what were the other ones? Mango? I don't know. Always like some fruity one. Yeah. I guess fruity sorbet, but I like to get the the green tea. Yeah. Green tea is always good. I don't know. I've always enjoyed drinking tea of any kind. Yeah. Do you want to talk about any current events that are happening in the world? And I know that we said like we're not going to get too political about anything, but I mean, we can a little bit if you want. You know what? You know, it's weird at Ross and Abby's house. Their neighbor is flying the Confederate flag. Oh, I heard about that. You did? Mm-hmm. Did Abby tell you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like last night at the bachelor party, my whole joke was because they were flying a, a Confederate flag and an American flag. And my joke was I was going to go over and take down the American flag and put up a Black Lives Matter flag. So they'd be flying BLM and Confederate. And I, I don't know. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> but then, and Ross told us, Ross told everyone, oh yeah, the neighbors are out of town. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do something and like mess with them. And then I walk out there and there's like three people out front and like four cars parked in front of their house. <laughs> he lied to you. Yeah. He lied to me. He's trying to set you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then when, I, when we were driving in the limo last night by downtown, there was like a, there was like a Trump rally. And I'm not like pro or against Trump, whatever. Um, I just think it's ridiculous, like the political worship. And that's what Ross kept talking about was political worship. But there are all these trucks downtown, hundreds of them, and all of them had giant Trump flags like flying out of the back of their trucks. It was like so bizarre. And they were just kept driving around downtown. And it was like a parade, like a Trump parade. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I feel like people can do whatever they want and support whatever ideas they want as yeah. long as it doesn't interfere with someone else's life. 
I'm I'm with you a thousand percent. That's such yeah. a libertarian view. I don't know. I guess it just like it doesn't phase me. Like if you want to do that stuff, like who am I to tell you, oh, you can't do it. Yeah. If it doesn't hurt me or anyone else in any way. I'm not saying that those people can't do it. I just think it's weird. Yeah. I like mean, people but, who put like Bernie. But who's to say it's weird? I don't know. You just have to think they have such a different way their minds work. Yeah, but would you wear different life experiences? Don't you like having an air of like mystery about yourself? Like you don't have to put everything out there. Like you don't have to let everyone know what you think. And people put like Bernie stickers on their car too. And they still have them on there. And it says Bernie 2016. I see those everywhere. Mm -hmm. Or like Elizabeth Warren stickers and Trump stickers. Like I would never put... I don't know. I feel like you could probably support Gary Johnson and that wouldn't really piss anyone off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh. But I would I would never put a political sticker on my car, ever, right mm-hmm. or left. I would never do it because it would make you a target to someone. That's yeah, what I which think. which is so stupid. Yeah. Which it's like, if everyone just didn't care so much about what other people thought, yeah, it would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. You I, just have to be focused on your own thing and like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I recognize that it's not necessarily someone else being weird. It's just, they have different experiences than you and their the way their minds work are different. And yeah, like their genetic, there's a genetic component to personality for sure. Like them trying to want to be part of a tribe and they see like the Trump tribe. And so they want to be a part of it. Yeah. I don't know. Or not necessarily. It's just, some people are worried about some things more than other people. Yeah. Like you're, I think there's an element of ego that people have and they can't get over and you have to do whatever you can in order to promote your ego. Yeah. So I think, I think what's crazy about like society today and like just America today is how, how involved people will get with things that are so geographically far away from them. Like if people in Boise, Idaho only had to worry about Boise, Idaho, think about how much better it would be. Instead of being so concerned about like, what's going on in Seattle? What's going on in Los Angeles? What's going on in New York City? It's like, like, all, like the way the New York police force conducts themselves has nothing to do with what's going on in Boise, Idaho. Like, I mean, I get that people can be outraged about certain events and things that go on in the world, but like we are truly the United States Mm -hmm. and the states, like, I mean, that's what they agreed upon when the country was started. The states are going to govern themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's a combination of how big geographically the United States is compared to other countries and the fact that it's a democracy because like, other ginormous countries like China and Russia are so geographically huge, but they're like a dictatorship. So you can't really like go against what the federal government is saying in those places. But in the United States, it's like, I don't know. It To me, it's very interesting because it's such a unique thing. I mean, it's almost like what the European Union is trying to be. It's like all these different factions that 
come together and agree upon using one form of currency and they're like, we're going to govern ourselves, but we have this mutual agreement between all of us. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, you don't really see other countries like that. Yeah. I mean, they're replicating the success that the United States has had by having such a unified. So it's not like as idealistic as the quote unquote libertarian mindset seems to be. You have to recognize there is that balance you need between federal rule and state. Like you can't completely get rid of the federal aspect of government or else there's things that'll definitely slip through the cracks and then we'll come, we'll become like our own competing confederacies. Yeah. And there's all sorts of other potential problems. Like that's what all the federalist papers are about is all the reasons why it would be a very poor decision to not unify the entire nation and become like four or whatever however many confederacies people wanted it to be. Yeah. And that decision itself is a lot of the reason behind why the United States has been so successful. Well, see, I, I get, I get that there needs to be federal government. I mean, obviously it plays a role and it has to play a role, but certain places need to be governed different than other places. Like, if somewhere has such a high population density and is super diverse and there's different languages and extreme poverty and extreme wealth, like all in this super small geographical area. And then you go to a place like Cheyenne, Wyoming. Do you really think those two places need to be governed the same way? I mean, maybe they should have like these big general rules Mm -hmm. that the feds. That's why it's a balance. Yeah, it's, it Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to find the correct amount of balance. But like all things, you can only, it's so easy to recognize the flaws and issues that are, that are there with the system. But until someone proves that there's a better way to do it, like you need to show up with an idea or else. So what? Everyone's just going to complain about it, but have no solution. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's something that I've talked a lot to Mike Morell about because I complain a lot about a lot of things, whether it's. You know, the way the corporation is run that you and I both work for or things on a smaller level like things that how the city conducts itself or stupid laws or laws that I think are stupid. And he just looks at me and he goes, well, what would you do in place of that? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, okay. I can't just complain about things Mm -hmm. without like thinking it through and coming up with a solution because maybe the way it's being run right now is the best way that it could be run. Yeah, for instance, I always think of like healthcare reform. Like obviously it needs to be reformed. Yeah. But what's the best way to do that? And yeah. no one's had a proven way that everyone can be like, "Whoa, yeah, that's so obviously the better because any other solution is or like potential solution is going to have create a new onset of flaws and issues." Yeah. And just because it's different issues doesn't mean it's a better yeah. Program. Yeah. Like, like Obamacare. I mean, a lot of people thought Obamacare was going to be this awesome, great thing. And I think it probably ended up being good for some people and then terrible for other people. So it's like, if you, there's not like one giant fix all for everything. Yeah. And people talk like they think there is. And it's like, yeah. Like working in healthcare, I have no idea what the solution is. And I am like on, I don't know. I'm on the front line. You're literally on the front line. Yeah. yeah. You are touching patients. I really hate that term. <laughs> um, but I, I think just like with 
healthcare and like Medicare, Medicaid, and like even welfare and like all these giant government programs. And people are saying defund the police now too. Um, I think that, I think what people fail to realize is how many versions these things have gone through and they've tried and they've failed and they've tried and they've failed and they implemented small things and small laws have been passed and they, they've gotten to a certain point where um, it's working right now. So what's the next step to like make to improve it a little bit more? It's not like you can't just overhaul something and destroy it and put something in place to fix it. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it, I don't know. It just is so funny because people are so fast to point out the flaws of something Yeah, without any practical solution in store. Well, it's so like, it's like, oh yeah, like, yeah, the way this is done really sucks. Yeah. Okay. So we're open to suggestions. Like, yeah. please tell me how it can be improved. And yeah. then there's crickets. Yeah. I still think like the jujitsu thing, like teaching cops jujitsu don't you think that would solve a lot of issues? Yeah, I think it would. If cops knew how to grapple, like the guy that got shot, I know you probably haven't seen it, but the guy that got shot in the Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta, did you see that video? Mm-mm. He whooped two cops' asses. Like they tried to grapple him and like put him on the ground and they they couldn't do it. And it's like if you had a, just a little bit of grappling training, you would have been able to put that guy on the ground mm-hmm. and like get his hands behind his back. Um. But I think, yeah, more training and I mean, you could even pay the cops more because they'd have to, you'd hold them to a higher standard. I think it would just boost the confidence of the individual instead of reaching for a lethal force. Yeah. You have the confidence in yourself to use other techniques in a successful way Yeah. instead of just like, oh, a one day training course. Like for example... I went through a one-day training course of dealing with combative patients. Yeah. And do I think it prepared me <laughs> at all for a combative patient? No. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. And I mean, it has all the right intentions, but to to claim that that is an effective strategy as to how to train someone. Yeah. Like have these very short, very condensed like, oh, what if this happens? This is what you do. Like, obviously. And like, you practice on each other like one time. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, you're good to go. Like, you're certified. Look, I'll sign this piece of paper and now you're good forever. <laughs> How much of that in the hospital do you think it's just them co- covering their own asses though? There, It's like... Oh, in it, all, in all, it's not just the hospital. It's all areas like that. But it's like if you got punched in the face by a patient and you wanted to maybe sue or something. Like, oh, you could. Well, no, Not I'm just the hospital, saying, but... I, maybe the hospital covered their own ass there though. They're like, oh yeah, we put, we have this document that says she went through the training course. So she knew how to handle herself in that situation. So it's just yeah. like a, oh, for sure. Yeah. Formality to for them to themselves. Yeah. It's yeah. legality. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like it, it doesn't make any sense to expect someone to know how to defend themselves. Yeah. And so of course, if you give them a, a force to use, or a weapon to use lethal force on someone with when the one technique they've tried doesn't work yeah. because of course it's not going to work Yeah. when your adrenaline levels are so high and you've never actually used this technique you've learned in real practice. Yeah. I wonder how much training they must get a ton of like hand to hand combat training in uh post Academy in Idaho. But 
I mean, I know a lot of it is just they drive unmarked car police cars and they like it's you and your training partner and they do situations like how to arrest people, how to read Miranda rights. It's like they just teach you mm-hmm. kind of generically how to be a cop. And yeah. then and then that's applicable to, you know, the state police, the county police, all the city polices. Um, I think I think the state police might have their own academy that's separate from the county and the city. Um, but yeah, how much how much of that eight week course or 10 week course, however long it is, is them grappling and like hand to hand combat and how to, yeah, I have no idea, put handcuffs on people and stuff. But I mean, I would much rather get arrested by like, uh, Brad who owned a buy jujitsu. I would rather him arrest me than like some cop. I don't know because I trust that Brad would, I mean, I don't think he would break any of my bones or anything. And if he had to put me unconscious, he could safely do that rather than a cop, like breaking my neck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think coming from a, I guess, similar profession in the way that you are given some basic training, but honestly, you don't fully, you're not fully, I I don't think you're fully a police officer or same thing with a nurse. I don't think you're fully a nurse until you've actually been out on the floor and had experience yeah like there's no amount of training to a certain extent that'll ever prepare you to be a competent nurse or competent police officer whatever yeah so i think there's that element to remember too yeah Um, you you sparked a question earlier i was going to bring this up because i think cops should be trained more and they should train more often because i don't think there's any training i mean you see some of these fat cops walking around like do they really have to pass a physical fitness test yeah and i don't think like so in say you're in that position how unfair is it for someone to expect you to know exactly how how to handle a situation that you've never handled before yeah and who's to say that yeah it's easy to say looking back on a situation like oh obviously there was a right way and a wrong way to do it but when you're in that particular moment there's no clear line as to what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. You just try to do your best or you hope that all individuals try to do their best. Yeah. So I try to equate it to playing football and how much we practiced for the games. Like we practiced 99% of the time. Like the game time was 1% of the whole year. Like we built up our strength. We built up our agility. We built up our conditioning. Then we practiced plays. And then we were in the in the uh, film room watching ourselves and critiquing ourselves and being coached by our coaches. And I think that that is applicable to police officers. I think they could probably bump up the training. And I know I've heard other talking heads talk about this. And maybe that's where I got that idea. But I mean, if they even trained 20% of the time and then were like out on the streets 80% of the time. I mean, if they just went and did jujitsu and like did their firearms course 20% of the time, I don't know what else stuff they have to learn studying when they can arrest yeah. people and, and pretext stops. I'm going to have to caveat this with, honestly, I don't know anything about police training. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, and I'm, zero. I'm, I don't know a lot either. I do know that they don't, once they become a cop, they don't do that much training. But I, what I was going to ask is, is there a way that, <laughs> Debbie, Debbie's reaching for her iced tea. Oh, yeah. So we aren't drinking alcohol right now because um, I think we drank enough this weekend. But we are uh, – our drinks today are iced tea, Gatorade, Zero, and Diet Dr. Pepper. 
Um, but I was going to ask you, Deb, do you think that there's a way for nurses to train? I mean, maybe it'd be more like an ER type nurse because you said you don't really know what to do or how to do it until you're on the floor. Like there's not a way to implement more training or require more training. <laughs> All right. We had to take a quick bathroom break, but we're back. <laughs> we've, we've shit like six times. <laughs> we didn't shit six times. We shit one time and we had to go check some stuff on the computer. So, um, okay. I wanted to ask you, you decided to start reading about Lord of the Rings or reading the Lord of the Rings series. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to start reading Lord of the Rings? I've just always wanted to read it and I feel like I'd taken a break from series for long enough that I was ready to get back to a series. Harry Potter fucked you up? No, it didn't. <laughs> I forgot. I actually forgot about Harry Potter. I thought the last series I had read was Dune, but oh. you know, when you commit to a series and it's like you're in it for the long haul and there's so many other books that have been on my list for so long Yeah, and it's like, oh, now they're going to wait even longer because now I have... Like, it's not just one book in between that and when I read some other book. Yeah. It's like, oh, now I've got like three books to read. Yeah, yeah. All together, back to back to back. Yeah. But yeah, there is something fun about when, like, that's why the seventh book of the Harry Potter series, I think when I reflected on it more, is my favorite because it was like, you're so close to the end. Yeah. And you're so wrapped into the story and there's so much information you've already learned. Yeah that that was my favorite book because it's like, oh my gosh, it's coming to an end. This is like all new material. I ha- I don't remember the movies and I haven't really read this. I haven't read this book before and I barely remember the movies. So so what, how many official books are there in the Lord of the Rings series? Because there's... You're putting me on the spot, but I think there's three. Well, there's three in the series and then there's The Hobbit, which is kind of a prequel. And then there's this Silmalarian, Smilalarian? Silmalarian. 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 I don't know. But that's, don't ask me. But that's like a historical book that kind of lays the it land for... It talks about for, the old age. Yeah, like so, what, where the universe came from or whatever. So silly me thinking I needed to read everything chronologically because that's just... I don't know. I just like... I think like things should be read chronologically. Yeah. I decided to start with that one and then I'm like, wow, this is kind of reading like the Bible where it's talking about all this different lineage and using all these names and... And then I like got on Reddit and I was like, oh, like what's the proper order? (laughs) And even like hardcore Tolkien fans were like, the Silmarillion took me six months to read. Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, oh no, I don't have six months to spend on one book. It's like not that big. Yeah. But I got like 40 pages in and it definitely takes a lot of focus. But yeah, just knowing that like hardcore fans were like definitely anti start with this book. Yeah. I was like, oops, I messed up. Yeah. So I'm on the fellowship of the ring fellowship of the ring. And I almost started with the Hobbit, but I've read the Hobbit before. And so I just wanted, I wanted the new book, the new book to me. So it's fellowship of the ring, the two towers, return of the King, and then the Hobbit and Silmarillion. Yeah. There's, there's some other books that he's written too, but I don't think they're as related to the specific Lord of the Rings. But are they in like the same like Middle Earth, like the same? I have no idea. That's why why I'm going into it because I feel like it's a series that I can't believe I haven't been into yet. Yeah. 
but that's like you know how I am with movies too. I I like have just heard about it and yeah. I know you're excited about it and I don't want to know anything else. Dude, you know, I want to keep it like a surprise. I feel like you're going to get so obsessed with Lord of the Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, it's just incredible the world that he's created to the extent that he created an entire language. Well, didn't he start out wanting to just create the language or something? I don't know. And then he decided he's like, oh, well, they need a backstory. Oh, they I need to figure out where they geographically lived and who were their adversaries and stuff. And I know he, it, what, I don't know if he just wanted to create the language or create like a story about elves or something, but it started out super simple like that and it evolved into um, he created the entire world and the whole backstory of everything, even to the point where the, the Silmarillion, I mean, that is like the Bible for their world. Yeah, I mean, it's so well thought out and the Silmarillion was po- was um, was published posthumously, so... Oh, didn't you say his son finished writing part of it or something? I don't think or? his son f- wrote any of it. I think he, com- he like put it all together. Yeah. And he wasn't exactly sure what order he the um he truly wanted it to be in yeah so it was kind of like there's different i don't know it's so crazy how much you can find out on reddit could you could you imagine yeah there's like different versions and i think his name's christopher tolkien or something his son and he's like come out with updated versions because he like thinks about it more and he's like oh actually i feel like dad would want it this way instead whoa could you imagine like if your dad had written all like a ridiculous amount of books and he passes away and you go into his study and like find this book that he was working on. Yeah. That'd wouldn't be, that that'd would, be crazy. It would be, it'd be so cool. It'd be, it'd be hard. Like you'd want to keep it as just your own. Yeah. But then I feel like there would be a right time where you're like, this was something you wanted to share with the world. Yeah. And obviously people, people's lives were changed yeah. from it. Yeah. You know, books change people's lives and I think people forget that yeah because it's such I don't know there's such imagination that it sparks yeah that I don't know it's just like like you're so into the artistic side of movies that yeah movies like lead you to feel different emotions and I feel like books do the exact same thing yeah and like the knowledge that you gain even if it's like a fantasy book just like I don't know just it opening your mind to a whole nother world. Yeah. I feel like it makes you become like a more understanding person because back to, back to what I said, it's like, I recognize that. So that people's minds are all different. Like Tolkien's mind was so different from my own. I could never create something like this, but the fact that someone did, and it's so beautiful, like everyone in the world has different minds. So I don't know. You can't judge someone for what they do because there's a lot of factors that go into creating who an individual is. Yeah. I mean, there are instances where you can judge someone for what they do, but well, when you say, that, when you say what is, what society says is weird and what, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like what, a, what a nut versus what another person might think is weird. Yeah. But it's like, like, like I, just because it's not normal to you doesn't mean it, it's, you know, something it's a normal commonplace thing in someone else's life. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've had this conversation with a lot of different people on the podcast, but it's when you're an adult 
<laughs> you shouldn't worry about what other people think about you. You know, like if something truly brings you joy, then you should be able to do it without like caring about it. Yeah, for and, sure. And the the example I try to give every single time is Legos. Mm-hmm. Like I fucking love Legos. And for the longest time I tried to hide that. And I like, and I, I think I was in a relationship with a person who judged the shit out of me the first time I told that person that I liked Legos. And so I like hid it. And then, I mean, I think being with you, I felt so comfortable that I was like, Hey, I'm going to go buy some fucking Legos. And, you know, make these cool ships because it's like a cool fucking thing to put up in your house. Yeah, I guess I've just never, I've never cared enough about what other people think. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, for sure. Well, I think everybody goes through that phase where they want to yeah. be cool in high school and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I feel like high school was so long ago. Yeah. And the fact it dwells with some people. Some people dwell. High school yeah, sticks it's crazy. around. Yeah, even like my old job. And I'm not going to get specific, but one of my old jobs, it was like you go into the break room and it was like high school. Like everyone was like talking shit about each other and like, like I couldn't even believe some of the stuff I was hearing from the people. I'm like, you guys are all adults. Why are you acting like this? Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. But. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a whole mindset thing. Yeah. And I think it's very, it's very liberating to do something that you truly enjoy without fear of anything. Like when you're in your element doing the one thing that you enjoy. And I, I mean, I will like, I'll say this and not be ashamed about it. I fucking love CrossFit and I love lifting weights. And like when I'm snatching or doing clean and jerk, I love it so fucking much that nothing else matters. Like I'm in my element and I could give a shit less about anything else. And especially if I'm around people that are enjoying it too, like that's the best situation for me to be in. And I feel like, like I live for those moments Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing, like enjoying making a Lego set or when you and I go on vacation and we get in the rental car and we punch in our destination and turn on some tunes and we have like our, our road trip snacks. Like those are the moments I live for because I know I like everything's building up to that. And it's like when you're in that moment, nothing else matters. And it's super cool to embrace that. And it's sad that people deny like a part of themselves that would truly make them happy. Yeah. But I think it also comes full circle that recognizing like, oh, all that stuff brings me so much joy. You should, you should also recognize that just because someone else, it doesn't do the same thing for them. Doesn't mean that they have it backwards. Yeah. Well, they might have things that they enjoy in their life that, yeah, you and I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I feel like some people just forget about that sometimes, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's what makes the world so unique. You need all that, all the different people of the world and to make one whole community. Well, okay. I like hanging out with people that don't do all the same things that I typically do too. Cause it's like, Oh cool. I never knew about that. Yeah. Sparks a potential new interest. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I like being around people that, Oh, I'm trying to think who was, who was the person that started tying their own flies? Oh, I think it was Chase Bush from the gym. Mm -hmm. Somebody that that's that passionate about fishing. And it's like, that's not a world I've ever been exposed to. I mean, you and I have fished and I fished with my dad when I was little, but I never did fly fishing. And he started telling me about how obsessed he got with it. And there was a moment 
I don't know. I think it was like an open gym or like a Tuesday morning or something. But he said, he came up to me and he goes, Hey, this weekend it finally clicked. And I caught like eight fish with my fly fishing rod. And I was like, Whoa, dude, it was just cool to see like Mm -hmm. how passionate he was about it. And he goes, I started tying my own flies, um, because I didn't like the flies that I was buying from the store. So I got like all the, the pieces individually that you can do it. And it, I don't know it, that sparked something in me just thinking how cool it is that there's this hobby out there that I've never even delved into and he's so passionate about it. And think about how many different kinds of hobbies there are like that out yeah. there. Like thousands of things. Oh, totally. And just think of how much much research has gone into knowing what kind of fly attracts fish. Yeah. Or like, yeah, what like the bigger flies attach or, or attract a certain kind of fish and the different colors attract certain mm-hmm. kinds of fish. Um, and even the way it's like twisted or I have no idea. I don't know anything about it, but there's so many different elements that go into like this one tiny activity. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is I, we could kind of make this come full circle. There's so much nuance and things that go into people. Like you were saying, like you can't just judge somebody off of like one thing that they enjoy or whatever because their whole life has so so many different stimuli from different things and they grew up maybe different than you and I grew up Mm -hmm. and they've had different experiences and different jobs and different hardships and maybe a family member passed away that you and I haven't experienced Mm, like that. Totally. So you can't judge those people just like you can't you can't apply the same laws and stuff to the same cities. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's, oh, so, I, yeah, that was good. Well, I was just going to say it's, point. it's so nuanced and different. Like Boise, Idaho is not the same as Miami, Florida. Like mm-hmm. it's so different and it has to be treated differently. And you have to go there and kind of learn about the history and why things are the way they are. I mean, just like you have to do with people, you can't just judge someone, um, off of like one thing that they said. Maybe if it's something really stupid or really ignorant, then you could. But um, Tristan sends me something once a year. And I think he has the... He, he sent it to me before he, too. He sent it to yeah. you. But it's it's um, the fish not recognizing that they're in water. Mm-hmm. It's like you go through life and you don't recognize all these things that are around you all the time. But when you go to the grocery store and you see a lady checking out and she's got a couple kids, it kind of goes through, it's like a thought experiment. And I think the video might be 10 minutes long or 15 minutes long, but it's like all the shit that that lady is going through while you're next to her in line. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just judge her because her kid is like being annoying and she's like, Hey, Timmy, be quiet. It's like, it's like her whole life. She just got fired from her job and her mom passed away and she's getting a divorce Mm -hmm. and, you know, like you can't just go and judge people based on your view of the world and think your view is like mm-hmm. how everything should be. Yeah, you uh, never know what other people are going through. Yeah. And you can only learn what they're going through by opening up and talking to them. Yeah. That's why I like talking to people too, because people have had crazy different experiences. Mm-hmm. Like when I told Rob how obsessed I was with Bosnia. Oh, yeah. He spent years in Bosnia. Yeah. And like, he has so much knowledge that he can share with you. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I want I want to sit down and spend time and hear what you have to say. Yeah. People people like to be heard, too. 
that's yep people yeah if you if you give somebody the time of day to like tell their story i think they're extremely appreciative of it oh totally because sometimes people just don't like listening to people and i love listening to people so do i i'm such a like backseat i just observe everything yeah i don't know it depends on the situation but typically i don't feel like i have to interject yeah and because I just enjoy hearing what other people have to say. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, it's interesting getting different people's perspectives, too, because I think we have a fairly diverse group of friends who grew up in different areas. And, yeah, it's cool to somebody who grew up in a big city, how they look at something versus somebody who grew up in a small town, how they look at something. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, there's so many different factors. Like, you could break it down pick things apart like year by year yeah like oh just because this happened to me that makes me different yeah from you and now it makes sense like why we do that you know the revelation revelation i had (laughs) yesterday what you grew up in a family well okay maybe maybe it's more like the healthcare field but the fact that i'm so weird about always sneezing in the elbow Uh uh-huh and it like gives me shivers down my spine when I see someone sneeze in their hands. <laughs> did, and, you like, see, did you see my sisters do it? No, I don't think uh, so. Uh, I don't know what made me think of it, but, but yeah, the fact that like, I have to remember like other people aren't con aren't like consciously trying to make me feel those shivers down my spine, Yeah, you know, and make like piss me off. But well, no, I think emotionally my- you're so quick to like, snap like oh that is disgusting i can't believe they did that and yeah. it's like they've just never like trained their brain to not do that yeah well i think my parents brought us up with good intentions cover your mouth when you yawn cover your mouth when you burp cover sneeze your, into your hand co- yeah cover yeah. your mouth when you sneeze and i think my parents truly thought they were teaching us a good thing See, i wasn't trying to out you i was just generalizing but now you've you've added your no 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 i i feel like since i've started working at the hospital, I've learned how to sneeze correctly into my elbow. Yeah. But I don't think my parents ever had nefarious intentions. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that people who haven't learned that and don't work at the hospital or have like any interest in health related, being health conscious in any way. Yeah. The fact that they sneeze in their hands, they don't know any better. Yeah. No one's, maybe no one's ever harp, harped it into them. Like, don't do that. Like, that's nasty. Yeah. Have you seen the Mythbusters episode where they put a tube on his nose? Have you seen it? No. This sounds good. I love Mythbusters. So they put a tiny little tube on his nose and they kind of like tape it to his face, but it's like it's dripping a little bit. And so it's kind of trying to mimic like he has a running nose. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some sort of chemical in it that gets picked up uh, uh, under a black light. Mm -hmm. And I think they give him like a... I don't know, like a Lego set to build. And they he builds the Lego set without the thing dripping on his nose. And then they go through with the black light and look at everything. And then they do it with it dripping on it, dripping. And like, he'll have to wipe it like every once in a while. But then they go through with the black light and it's fucking everywhere in the yeah, room. I'm like sure. places you wouldn't even think that he would have touched. Like the, the pseudo snot got yeah. on those places. I think you would like watching that episode. Yeah, um, I used to love Mythbusters. They had a lot of good medical stuff. Just like medical oh, myths. Yeah. You know they're doing another, well, if we had cable, I think it's on cable, but Discovery's doing another Mythbusters 
run because of the guy that died. Oh, no way. Yeah, they're doing like in mem- memory of him. I Ooh, forget his name. Grant Imahara. Yeah, Grant. Mm-hmm. Grant Imahara. Yeah, Yeah, because he passed. and So yeah, I thought that was really cool because Mythbusters is such a good show. And honestly, it for, gets people interested in science. For children, I feel mm-hmm. like it's such a cool show. It was, it was very, it was one of my favorites. Yeah, and it just makes people start asking questions. Why certain things are the way they are. Yeah, and... Yeah, the fact that they asked those questions that, you know, like kids have always asked and they're like, whoa, and now they're going to do an experiment to show me why it is, like if it's true or not. Yeah. You know what I thought one of the coolest episodes was? And it's totally a child question. If I'm driving my car 60 miles an hour and I shoot a basketball out of the back of it at 60 miles an hour, what does the basketball do? And they do it, and they oh. show it in slow motion, and it just bounces in the same oh, spot. That's so crazy! Yeah, it's it's stuff yeah. like that. I don't know, and it makes you ask questions about physics and fluid yeah. dynamics. And they did like historical stuff too, um, like there. I think there was a Greek ship that had all these um, mirrors on it, and they all pointed their mirrors at another boat, and they could light boats on fire. Oh, have awesome. you heard about this? Yeah, I totally have. I remember that. And you remember the episode yeah. where they tried to do it? Yeah. And they, I don't know if they could or they couldn't oh, do it. Oh, I definitely don't think they could. Oh, really? Yeah. But it's like this is that mythical thing from Greek history yeah. where the Mythbusters only had a couple weeks to work on it or whatever, but maybe the Greeks were able to do that. Yeah. And especially, especially when it comes to physics, to actually, instead of it just being like, written on a piece of paper yeah, or like a simple little illustration to have like an experiment that you watch happen. Yeah. It like introduces a world. A lot of kids would probably never be or have any interest in. And then they're like, Whoa, that's so cool. Now I'm super interested in it and I want to know more. Well, and I think having those two guys too, with their personalities. Oh, they were perfect. They're very entertaining and they put, they feed off each other. Like one was, was, what was it? Jamie and no. Yep. Jamie was the guy with the beret and Mm -hmm. the mustache. And then I can't remember what the other guy's name was, but one was like kind of the goofier guy. And one Mm -hmm. was like the straight man. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so they played off each other. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. Um, and I think having figures like that, like Neil deGrasse Tyson or, um, Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah. Somebody who's smart, but they can also, they can relate to people and they can relate be to like kids in particular. And they can almost be like a comedian too. Like, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson has his own podcast and his co-host is a comedian and they like tell jokes and Neil deGrasse Tyson seems like he's super down to earth. And then he'll also like, I think something I respect about somebody like that is how smart they are to me what makes him even smarter than other people is his ability to take something super complex and explain it so a normal person can understand it. yeah i was just thinking about that because i know we've had that conversation before yeah the idea that you understand something so thoroughly that to the layman you can break it down into terms that anyone can understand yeah is an incredible skill to have. Yeah. And it just goes to show like how thoroughly you understand the concept. Yeah. That you can teach other people about it. Weren't, I don't know if it was you and me talking about this or if I was talking to, to Ross maybe, but 
I think someone was telling me about a doctor who would get frustrated, who he would explain stuff to people and the people were like, can you explain it like more simple? Like, cause I don't understand what you're talking about. And the doctor would get so incredibly frustrated that people weren't understanding what he was saying. Oh, interesting. And to me, I mean, that guy probably has a role and a place that he should be. And he should probably be working at an institution where he can communicate to other people that are using the same terminology and stuff. But if you can't bridge the gap Mm -hmm. to people that are not versed in your scientific area, I don't know, like you're, it's, you're missing something like you should be able to teach. Yeah. You should be able to understand something so thoroughly that you can teach it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they give that role or they should give that role to people that, are well-versed in a particular topic instead of just anyone. And then it's like, wait, the person teaching me this is learning as I'm going. So this is weird. Yeah. No, you want it to be like, they have mastered it. Yeah. And you, you should be able to recognize like, okay, I take back the word mastered because I feel like there's nothing you'll ever master. If you think you've mastered something, you have far from mastered. Yeah. Well, the, I think to fully understand a concept or something in healthcare, especially you have to teach people it because as you're teaching it, other questions might pop up or the student might ask a question that you never thought about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, And and that's why I think it is the coolest thing in the world to be able to teach something to someone that doesn't know it. Yeah. Because like, as you're doing that, you recognize, oh, wow, I like actually know a lot about this. Yeah. But then it's like they ask a question that you don't know and you're like, whoa, I don't know the answer, but now let's both find out together. Yeah. That is like so exciting to me. That's why I think some teachers at universities, when they have grad students, I think the relationship that teachers and grad students form is so rad because they go, they do studies together. And they write papers together. That's why when you talk about grad school, it sounds like something so up my alley because it's like you're more peers and your grad school professors would ask you questions and they know there's no right answer. They just, they want their own thoughts provoked by the ideas of other people. And like you have this group discussion where you all like learn so much more than you ever would just reading a book or just thinking about it on your own. Yeah. Yeah, I think they truly, save for a few of them, I think most of those professors truly wanted to learn from their students too. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's it's a bummer because I feel like I've changed so much because in college, so in Oklahoma, I went to a small school Yeah. and I had the opportunity to have forums like that. Like I was in an honors class my freshman year. And it was small group discussions on books. Yeah. So it was like stuff I loved. But I feel like at that point in my life, I wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable, comfort, comfort, comfortable or confident enough Yeah. to feel secure and sharing how I felt if it didn't align with what I thought the right answer was. Because I was always so programmed like for multiple choice where it has to be A, B, or C. Yeah. There's no D out there in the, the oblivion. Yeah. So when it was like open discussion, I was I would like clam up and be like, I don't want to participate. Like, I'm just going to try to be a fly on the wall still because I'm good at that. Yeah. 
and I don't want to say the wrong answer. Yeah. Whereas that's why you have those group discussions because there is no wrong answer. And I feel like I never recognized that when I had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could go back now and say some stuff that I was too afraid to say when I was in college. Yeah. And you're like, why was I too afraid? Like that was the whole point of those situations. Well, I think, I think that there were some kids that pretended to be smarter than they were and they had ultra left-wing views and it was intimidating. Like if I, if I had a thought that was contradictory to what they were saying, it's like, I don't you thought you were in the wrong. You assumed that they were smarter. It's, it's not that I assumed that they were smarter. It was the confidence that they would say stuff with. Whereas I knew I wasn't as confident in my thoughts, Yeah. but like I could still articulate why I thought the thing I thought, but I don't know why. Yeah. It was always a little bit intimidating to, you know, maybe have a conservative view on one thing in college. And especially now, I don't think you could even like speak out and say that you have a certain view like that in college, which is absolutely ridiculous because college should be the place where like your thoughts are tested Mm -hmm. and you know, people say, might say controversial things and you learn from it and you have a discussion about it. And yeah, where it's like, if you're just going to an echo chamber and you're just all there to hear the same thing all the time, like yeah. how are you going to learn anything new? Yeah. And I think like we always say there's growth and discomfort and that's, we like being uncomfortable Yeah, and we like to push ourselves. But I guess reflecting on this, one of the things I am sad to say that I did was that class I was in that made me super uncomfortable. I decided to no longer be enrolled in it. Oh, you dropped out of it? Yeah. Because oh. one of the, so it was probably like a 10 person class and the professor was like, Hey, I just want like more participation from you. And after, I think I took it for a year, but after that year I, I decided what, I no longer wanted to be in it. What class was it? It was like the honors college stuff. So I was on a track to be like in the honors college so the the class that I'm I was specifically in was the the honors class where you read books and talk about it. Oh. Yeah, so it was like the honors I think it will always sub as like an English class okay. on my on my transcript. Res- yeah, tres- I was going to say resume and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> Your college resume. Yeah. So on my transcript it's an English class, but yeah, yeah I it just makes me sad. I was like, dang. Yeah, I I was I didn't allow growth in my discomfort. I just ran from that discomfort. Yeah. Whereas I feel like I'm a person now who hopefully doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I I like being in uncomfortable situations. Um I like I like having uncomfortable discussions with people too. Um and I haven't done it too much on the podcast, but like there's been a few times where post podcast I've sat and talked for like two more hours with people. Oh yeah. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily like I, it's not that I don't want to put it on the podcast. It's that I want the podcast to be, you know, like have fun, fun ideas and tell fun stories and stuff and, um, find out what people are doing currently in their lives. And I don't necessarily like not every thing that's going on in the world needs a podcaster's viewpoint on it. You know, it's like, it's okay to not be informed on something yeah like it's totally okay to say i don't know i haven't formed an opinion on that yet i'm not sure totally yeah i think that's it takes more 
confidence to recognize what you don't know. Yeah. Then, then pretend like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think people who pretend like they know what they're talking about get themselves into a ton of trouble sometimes. Yeah. So I respect, especially leaders and maybe like your physicians that you work with. When they value our opinion or like, yeah, approach as a team. Yeah, it's like a team approach instead of like, oh, I'm the doctor. I'm going to know exactly what to do. Has a doctor ever said, I don't know to you? I don't think those particular words, but I mean, they're open to suggestions. Yeah, that's awesome. <coughs> um, it's okay. I, uh, I, we're coming up on an hour and a half. And so I'll give you, if you want to close it out and... Uh, well, okay. Kay. Pat on the back for myself. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Uh, this, this is so hard for me to do. Yeah. I don't like doing this, but I know it, it makes you so happy and you really want me to do it with you. Oh, okay. It's so out of my comfort zone. Uh I would never do anything like this. Okay. Deb's got a little tickle in her throat. Sorry, I've been talking more than I normally do, so I'm not used to this. You got to drink that, that chamomile tea, get your throat all. It's. It's those Arnold Palmer packets. <laughs> but yeah, this is like a huge thing that I would have never done. Okay. I, and I don't even know for how, how long I've felt confident enough to do something like this. Okay. I feel like it hasn't been that long. But yeah, stuff like this, knowing that people I don't know will listen to it. Yeah. And like not caring if they think I have no idea what I'm talking about. Because yeah. I, pro- I don't. I I don't know what I'm talking about for almost everything I talk about. No, you do. It's fine. <laughs> but I it's recognize fi- that and I don't pretend like I am smarter than I am. Your view on something or your thoughts about something could be changed based on what somebody tells you or new facts that you learn. I feel like that's being like a scientist. Like, Well, even on the last episode I did, I remember at the end being like worried that all the facts I rattled off were completely wrong. Yeah. And now I like, don't care. Yeah. It's fine. And especially like if you, what's cool about the podcast too, is having the amendment section. I've been getting feedback from people where like my mom or like somebody at the gym or oh, one of yeah. my football Someone buddies. will tell you like, Hey, it was actually this way. Yeah. And it's like, I'll try to address that on the amendments. Oh, I love, yeah. I love yeah. that part of the podcast. Yeah. So, so for this one, you'll just say, Please ignore everything because everything you said was wrong. <laughs> and that'll just cover everything. It's fine. Yeah, we, we have zero idea what we're talking about. Um, well, if you want to wrap it up, Deb, I, get, I always give the guests a an opportunity to get the last word. So I don't know. Take it away. Take it away. <laughs> I don't know. I think just everything that we talked about, I you have to recognize how different everyone in the world is and your the particular life that you decide is perfect for you definitely isn't perfect for anyone else yeah so the fact that people judge one another based on whether or not they do the same thing that i do is so stupid i can't even put it into words yeah yeah so yeah i think you just be accepting of other people and recognize that everyone comes from a different walk of life and that's what makes the world great yeah awesome I love it. I love you. I love you too. Oh, you're the best. You're the best. This is the best podcast in the world. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and we're done.